Blog Talk Radio. Om Shabbat Shalom, Holy Way of the Most High. Om Shabbat Shalom, I sense your presence. Om Shabbat Shalom, Holy Way of the Most High. Om Shabbat Shalom, I sense your presence. And I am the light within your soul In the essence of truth and right Love makes the circle whole And here we stand in line Waiting for some sacred sign But to find the balance is the purpose of this time to restore the balance of the universal mind And in the presence of my Lord of light and love Everything I see aspiring to be free And when I call to thee And come on bending knee Surrender to the all-pervading light and love Reflections of the one surrounding me with love And I sense your presence I sense your presence I sense your presence I sense your presence Within and without, above and below, yeah. East, west, north, and south, I sense your presence. Without and within, below and above, yeah, yeah. East, west, north, and south, I sense your presence. I sense your presence. Surrounding me with love 
For to find the balance is the purpose of this time To restore the balance of the universal mind I sense your presence I sense your presence I sense your presence I sense your presence Shabbat Shalom Holy way of the Most High Om Shabbat Shalom I sense your presence Om Shabbat Shalom Holy way of the Most High Om Shabbat Shalom I sense your presence Om Shabbat Shalom Holy way of the Most High Om Shabbat Shalom I sense your presence Om Shabbat Shalom Holy Angel of the Most High Om Shabbat Shalom I sense your presence I sense your presence
Welcome back. You are listening to Activating Compassion Radio. And my name is Jessie Ann Nichols-George, and the song you were just listening to is called Waves by Claire Hedin. And if you'd like to find out more about her work and connect with her, you can definitely do so through her website at www.clairehedin.com. And for those that are just tuning in or maybe you were trying to listen earlier or jumping in and catching the YouTube version or something of the show... <laughs> I apologize. I think I had a little technical glitch going on there at the beginning of the show. And uh, hopefully everything is is moving along just fine now. Today, who I have with me is Mercedes Kirkle. And she is a best-selling and multi-award winning author and channel for Mary Magdalene. And in the summer of 2010, Mary Magdalene began coming to Mercedes daily, giving extraordinary messages for humanity's evolution and spiritual growth. That was the birth of Mercedes' first book, Mary Magdalene Beckons. Join the River of Love, which illuminates the sacred partnership of the divine feminine and masculine, including how our bodies, sexuality, and emotions are pathways to God. Mercedes' newest book from Mary Magdalene, Sublime Union, a woman's sexual odyssey guided by Mary Magdalene reveals Mary's instruction on sacred sexuality along with Mercedes' fascinating story of engaging the practices with her partner. All the messages Mercedes shares are universal and are not affiliated with any religion. Mercedes offers private sessions in the San Francisco Bay Area as well as long distance via phone and or Skype. Her specialties include guidance from Mary Magdalene and other beings of light, Akashic healing and soul path guidance, Hearts Source Life and Relationships Coaching, Light-Filled Intimacy Instruction, and Spiritual Mentoring. Learn more about Mercedes' work on her website at www.mercedeskirkle.com, and that's www.mercedeskirkle.com. And I'm going to get her mic opened up here. And Mercedes, welcome to Activating Compassion Radio. Thank you so much, Jesse. I'm really happy to be here. And and hopefully everybody can hear me now. <laughs> On this. Well, you know, I would love for you to start off and just share a little about your story and what brought you into doing this work. Like how did you go from life to doing the incredible work that you're doing now. Oh, my. Well, it's a big story, and I tell the whole story in my books, but um, I the short version 
is that I was living on the big island of Hawaii, and um, it was this was in 2009, and I got a message from Spirit that it was time for me to leave the big island. And I was not expecting this. I thought that I was going to be living in Hawaii for the rest of my life, and I was not especially pleased about this message. <laughs> so I checked it out three times just to make sure I was getting the correct message and understanding it rightly, and it stayed very consistent. So I decided to follow it because I had seen from previous times of receiving messages from Spirit that when I followed them, they inevitably led me to an amazing outcome and one that oftentimes I couldn't have predicted beforehand. So I decided to go ahead and leave my home in Hawaii. And I took a couple of months and packed up everything and left. But the message hadn't told me where to go. It had just said, leave the big island. And I didn't know where to go. So I decided to go visit my family. And I came to the mainland and spent some time with my family, found out that actually both of my parents who are divorced and remarried were going through some major transitions in their life and some issues with aging and health and things like that and really needed some help. And I was very, very glad to be able to be free and be present at that time to help them. And so I spent a couple of months doing that, and periodically I would ask, okay, spirit, where am I supposed to go? Where's my home now? And I got absolutely nothing, no communication whatsoever. But I thought, okay, well... I'm I'm okay for now. I'm doing what I need to do, and I'll have to see what happens. And as soon as I completed doing what I could do to help my family, I started getting messages again. And I got guided to Santa Fe, New Mexico. And as soon as I got guided, as soon as I arrived in Santa Fe, I got all the signs that this is where I was supposed to be. The light was streaming down from the sky, and it was almost like the red carpet rolled out. Everything I needed was immediately provided for me. And I went, okay, I get it. (laughs) I'm supposed to be here. So um, about the third day that I was in Santa Fe, I was meditating early one morning, And all of a sudden, I felt a presence around me, what felt like a very wonderful, very benign presence. And it seemed especially centered at my throat, and I had the sense that I was blocking it from coming through, and I really wanted it to come through. So I put all my intention on just releasing whatever was in me that was blocking this presence, and all of a sudden, a voice started speaking through me, and At the same moment that it began, I got the internal message that this was the voice of Mary Magdalene. And she proceeded to give a complete spiritual discourse that was absolutely amazing and brilliant and just floored me what was coming out. And I was speaking this all the time, all the while, but it was clear that this wasn't my voice. It was a very different voice. And what was coming through was very different than what I would have communicated. And so by the end of her giving this very complete message, I was just dissolved and in bliss. And then I had a thought, and the thought was, I'm not going to remember this. And that was immediately unacceptable to me because right from 
the moment, really, when she started and I was listening to what she was saying, I realized this is amazing. This is miraculous. I need to record this so that I can share it with other people. And so without hesitating a moment, I asked her if she would repeat the message and if I could go get my computer and I could type it into my computer because I'm a fast typist. And she said yes. And I went and got my computer and she gave me the entire message again, identical to the first time. And besides the fact that that allowed me to record the message, which I really wanted to do, it was very personal to me the effect that it had because it it dissolved the doubts that I was having that this was real and that this was actually Mary Magdalene communicating to me because I could not have done that. I couldn't have recre- recreated the message she gave identical to the first time. And so that was the beginning of her coming to me every single day over the course of a month and I quickly realized she was downloading a book to me chapter by chapter in perfect form, just a brilliant book that was completely laid out, you know, with an obvious direction that it was headed, and I was the scribe recording her messages. So that was the beginning of the first book, Mary Magdalene Beckins. That is awesome. (laughs) I, I, it I was awesome. It was amazing. <laughs> and and I think this is somewhere where you kind of know that you're really channeling something when you can get it for just word for word again um, on this. And, and this experience of realizing that, okay, this is really powerful. This is really um, something to come in. And I think that happens... You know, what you mentioned in there, it happens for a lot of us that, oh, my gosh, I'm getting this information. There's no way I'm going to remember it. And that kind of panic sets in <laughs> to it. Yeah. Got, like, these are amazing messages, and I just want to remember them. <laughs> and, Absolutely. And and I know I have to keep things handy that I can just kind of jot notes down. And, and what was it about what you were receiving or what you were feeling that made you go, oh, I know absolutely this is Mary Magdalene. Well, immediately I didn't know. And to contextualize this, this was the first time I had ever received this kind of a message where it was like universal instruction, not just for me, but for everyone. And it was a very long, you know, message and in the past, I had gotten messages from spirit, but they were always just simple, not necessarily simple, but the message of it, the part of it, of getting the message was a simple directive for me to do something in my life, like leave the big island, which I, that's what I meant was it wasn't necessarily simple, but the message itself was simple. This was entirely different. This was information and guidance and It was huge. And so I wasn't prepared for receiving this. I had never received anything like this. And when it first started, I was shocked. And so the first thing that came immediately to my mind was, I must be crazy. (laughs) (laughs) This must not be happening to me. 
And so her first words that she spoke were very much in response to me thinking that. And the very first thing that she said was, I am here. Do not doubt my presence. Doubt is part of your mind. I am here to help free you from your doubting mind. And then after she finished that, I felt like, okay, she had addressed me, and then she turned to what I sensed was what she really wanted to say, and that's when she began her whole universal message and the the discourse that became the first chapter of the book. And, you know, and I think it's it's interesting because channeling is always an interesting process to me. On one hand, I think there's a lot of us that channel information down, but there's a lot of people that, like you say, discount it, discredit it, um, aren't sure where it's coming from, what the source is. I think the term channeling has had some very mixed responses with it, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, with some people who have put farces over it, and then some people are very legitimate in what they do, like yourself. And... I think it is a hard thing sometimes for people to accept. And I, I, I think almost any time, we could say almost any time we have information coming in, we're channeling. Um, That's right. I look at, you know, when an artist does a great piece of artwork, they're channeling. When Einstein had a breakthrough, he was channeling. That's it's not necessarily communicating to a particular being like Mary Magdalene. It might be that that's their higher self communicating to them. Or it might be that they're, channel, they're tuning into a different dimension or a different being. But I think there's all forms. And there's a story that I love to tell about this. Um, when I was receiving these messages over the course of that month, for part of the time I was staying with my father and stepmother in Albuquerque. And I would, um, after this first message, I was more prepared and I would go into my morning meditation with my computer and be ready to receive a message. And she was right there, ready to download. And so I was getting these messages. And then as soon as it would come through, I was so excited about the information that I would race out and want to share it. And so I would share it with my father and stepmother. Now, their background, my father, uh, can was raised and considers himself Jewish, and my stepmother is Catholic. So they both had a very different orientation to this. And and it was interesting because I felt like Mary completely spoke to them, and they had things that were very valuable to them that they were hearing, and not necessarily at all the things that I was getting out of it or that I was hearing. So it showed me that she might be using this vehicle this of channeling and these messages to reach people in all different ways. It was quite fascinating. But my father had a very hard time with just the whole idea of channeling. He'd never encountered this before, and he was worried. He didn't know what was going on. And he kept asking me, and I kept trying to explain as best I could because it was still quite new to me, too. But it wasn't satisfying him at all. And at a certain point, he got an idea. He said, Uh, We have a a family friend who's a Catholic priest um, who we know through my stepmother, and we all like this man very, very much. And he said, I think we should go to this priest and ask him what he thinks about this. And I said, okay, that's fine with me. I think that's a great idea. So we did. 
and I printed out three of the recent messages that had come through, and we went and had a meeting with him, and I read the messages, and he was very respectful. And right after I would read a message, he would start incorporating Mary's language into his conversation with us. And at a certain point, my father interrupted him. He just was not getting what he needed. And he he turned to him and he said, But Father, who is this who's talking to my daughter? (laughs) (laughs) And the priest looked him in the eye and said, You, God has always chosen certain individuals to speak through. Why shouldn't he choose your daughter? And I love that. I thought that was incredible. Here's this Catholic priest telling my Jewish father why his daughter is getting messages from Mary Magdalene (laughs) in a way that we all could accept. And that did it for my father. He never had a problem after that and became one of my greatest supporters. (laughs) But I think that, that is a beautiful story because people from all different You know, there are people who have a religious background who hear the word channeling and go, what's that? But then, you know, there are people in the Bible who got messages from God and the prophets. And there's all sorts of, you know, things that could be interpreted as channeling. And the other thing that I tell people is you don't have to believe anything. You don't have to believe what I say is going on. But but what I urge people to do is... Be open to the message itself. See if the message has value for you. See if it corresponds to your experience and in that sense feels true to you and is something that could benefit you. In other words, don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. If the process doesn't resonate for you, fine. I have no problem with that. But consider whether the message itself might be of value to you. And and that's a very good point when it's coming in because I think there's a lot of people that, you know, there might be even some people out there going, okay, how do I know whether I'm channeling or whether I'm just hearing voices <laughs> that I maybe shouldn't be hearing? Um, and, and, and these questions come up for people. You know, we laugh at them as we evolve in our own processes. But when somebody's starting out, it's a scary experience and it's foreign and they don't know. And, um, you know, it's like getting on on a bike for the first time. I I don't know if it's going to be okay or not okay or things like this until I get on and try it. Absolutely. Right. And And I had a very good friend who I talked to because I had those exact same concerns. Is this just me? Am I just making this up? And um, partly what was of concern to me was um, that the teaching that was coming through before I, uh, one of the things that I did when I was in um, Hawaii before I left was I was a teacher of nonviolent communication. And the uh, a communication practice by Marshall Rosenberg. And Mary's messages had a lot of elements that were similar to nonviolent communication in them. And I thought, well, that must be me. I must be just, you know, this just must mean me saying this. Um, think, you know, claiming that it's Mary Magdalene, and I really doubted it. And so I called one of my best friends in Hawaii who also teaches nonviolent communication, so was very familiar with the teachings and what might be similar. 
and I gave her some of the messages, and I said, what do you think? Do you think this is just me? And she read it, and she said, I can understand why you might think that, because I see the similarities that you're talking about. But she told me, I have never heard you speak like this, and I have never heard you take it to the places where this message is going. And no, I do not think this is just you. And that was so reassuring to me. It really helped me. And and now from my perspective, the way that I see that is that I think that throughout my life I have been guided to do different things in preparation for doing this work. And I think I was actually guided to study that teaching because it was something that would be helpful for what Mary was wanting to bring through. And what I understand now is that when you channel, you're opening yourself consciously or for some people maybe subconsciously, but you're opening yourself to another being and you're specifically opening your mind. And that being is making use of the contents of your mind. That's how they can talk in our language. It's not like Mary Magdalene is going around wherever she is speaking English. It's that she's using my mind it's kind of like plugging into the software and the hardware of my mind and using that as a, as a medium for what she wants to communicate. And she doesn't just use, you know, the fact that she's using my language. She taps into my ideas and makes use of my ideas also. So that's how I understand channeling now. But in the beginning, I didn't understand all of that. And and it's interesting, I had a question come in from the chat room that says, you know, is it possible that you're from the same soul family as Mary Magdalene and you're just downloading instead of actually channeling? But channeling, as far as I understand, is really kind of a form of downloading. Yeah, I don't see a huge difference between that, but there yeah. is a subtle difference. I I do feel like I'm from the same soul family. But I would say in this 3D incarnation that I'm in, I don't have access to that at this point in a way that receiving it through Mary gives me access. And so that is what I feel. It's it's yeah, it's kind of like tapping into the whole and the whole is coming through and I like your description of of how she uses you know, the body and the brain and things to get the information out. It's like she's sitting on one area and she's got to get that message out somehow. The divine's got to talk to us somehow. (laughs) So it uses what's on the third dimension. And matter of fact, you know, when I went through some experiences many years ago myself um, of opening various things up and... uh, one of the things that I, I was connecting with or talking about was that for some people, they will only get the message if it comes through another human being because mm-hmm. they have to see it in front of them. They have to see it mm-hmm. with their own eyes as opposed to, um, you know, getting it from the either, so to say, uh, in there. Right. So I think that that's a a piece of it as well in that. Right, and there's all different forms that work for different people. For example, I'm not visual in general, so I don't see things. Um, 
I hear things or I just get what telepathy is, is when I get a direct message and it's placed directly into my brain and I just know it. But um, one of the things that happened after Mary started coming through for me was all of a sudden I had the ability to channel in a way I never did before where I could connect with all sorts of beings, not just Mary, but many higher beings. And I also was able to start to read Akashic Records. And what I found when I would go into the Akashic Records is that um, I was connecting with these beings, which... I call the lords of the lords of the Akashic records and they would lend me their eyesight and so then I would have I actually became visual and the information came through in visual form but otherwise I never get information in visual form so it can come in many different forms and some people receive the information kinesthetically like some people will just have a sense in their body you know those feelings in your gut or that tingle in your spine or whatever and sometimes I get that sometimes someone will say something and I'll get like shivers and I I know what that means it it often means that the guide and often it's Mary is right there and they're saying yes listen to this this is accurate this is important tune in and so there can be kinesthetic feelings it's it's almost like there's this wand and they're lighting up different parts of your nervous system and saying mm-hmm. oh let's try this part see if that works <laughs> well and and actually we've, I've had a guest on the show that talks about that that the central nervous system is the key to communication beyond this world um yeah. that's Absolutely. That's how it travels through, so it's very interesting that way. Now, I, I have probably 10,000 questions I could ask you. <laughs> I'm thinking, um, you know, um, let's, uh, can, do you feel that anybody can call upon Mary Magdalene? Yes, she's very open, and I do think that people anyone can call upon her and i think some people have a stronger connection with her that we all have different guides and for some people mary magdalene is really their guide and it's more natural and the pathway is stronger and for some people they've been connecting with her for many lifetimes perhaps have been incarnated with her in various places at different times and so some people feel it more strongly And what I tell people is find the guides that are your guides, whatever that is. And it might, everyone can connect with their higher self, absolutely, and needs to connect with their higher self. I think that's the first and foremost form of guidance to receive is from your higher self. And then I also believe that everyone has angels and can connect with their angels. And I also believe that everyone has guides. And some of our guides might be beings that we've incarnated with, you know, in life, perhaps in this life, perhaps in other lifetimes. Some of them may be higher beings who are are our soul-level teachers or a soul family who's, you know, a person who's part of our soul family, a being who's part of our soul family, who's helping to guide us. And so there are, there are different guides that, that people can connect with. And many, many people are connecting with Mary Magdalene right now. Many people. It's a huge movement. It's a huge wave, I think, that's going over the earth. And it's why there's suddenly this explosion of 
Mary Magdalene books, Mary Magdalene messages, Mary Magdalene tours, Mary Magdalene. And when I first, again, when I first started channeling, um, one of the things I was very afraid to tell people that I was channeling because I thought they were going to give me the same response that I was giving to myself, which is, you're crazy, (laughs) you're making this up, and why would Mary Magdalene ever choose you? (laughs) So I felt afraid, and then that was counterbalanced by how excited I was by what was happening and how I felt like this is a miracle. I, I need to tell everyone about this. So both were going on. So what I did was I started testing the letters, and I would tell this person or that person, and I remember the first time when I told a complete stranger I was out hiking and I ran into someone and we struck up a conversation. They said, oh, what do you do? And I thought, well, I'll probably (laughs) never see this person again. I'll go ahead and tell them the truth. (laughs) So I said, I channel Mary Magdalene. And it was like I could see the doors of their heart fly open and they said Mary Magdalene and then they immediately started telling me all about their experiences with Mary Magdalene couldn't have cared less about me and what was going on with me (laughs) (laughs) and it was quite amazing to me and I saw this happen again and again and again I would say her name and it was like suddenly someone would light up and then they would start telling me about their connection with Mary and I started to realize that Tons of people have connections with Mary Magdalene, not just the ones who are writing books, not just the ones who are doing interviews or blogging or anything like that. Lots and lots of people. And I think she is leading a huge movement that is a grassroots movement. And in some ways, I mean, part of her first message and her early messages to me that she gave in the first book were about that she was co-teaching with Yeshua, which is the name she always uses for Jesus. That's his Aramaic name. And that they both knew that it would be 2,000 years before the world was ready to receive her and her message and her role as equal and teacher alongside him. And that this is the time now. And I think that's why so many people are connecting to Mary Magdalene is because this is her time and we're ready to receive the other half of the teaching now, which is what she's bringing forth. And so just as in many ways Yeshua's teaching was very much a grassroots teaching, he went out and talked to the people and connected with the people one by one, you know, and then the the group grew larger and larger. That's what I think is happening with Mary Magdalene. She's contacting individuals, and they're responding. And it's a a huge growing movement, which I had no idea about at the time she started coming to me. (laughs) But I have learned since then. I think that that's really interesting um, that you bring that up, because I was going to say, you know, how do you see your influence becoming more and more important in upcoming years? And you kind of touched on a couple of things that, you know, Yeshua is simply another word for Jesus. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, that she co-taught. Um, and, and I think that this, of course, created a lot of stir in a lot of ways. You know, I think that, uh, um, you know, they were of equal mind and and everything. And so he, he found it where he could communicate with her. 
on a level that he couldn't communicate with others. And I I find this very interesting um, when we start to look at it to say that we're just now 2,000 years later ready to receive her message. You know, of course, back then it was very patriarchal time, so who are you going to listen to? A masculine teacher. You're not going to listen to a feminine teacher in those days and times. It wasn't part of culture and society. Now we're willing to listen to women. And Yes. Can I say something about that, Jesse? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's such an important point because many people are starting to think that, you know, there was a lot that was changed about the teaching, about what actually happened, and especially relative to Mary and her role and her relationship with Yeshua. A lot of people are suspecting this, and a lot of people are pointing the finger at the church, that the church did this. And I think it's true, the church did do that in many ways. But it was so much bigger than the church. It was all of us. It was Mm -hmm. we were ready. It was patriarchal times. It was our consciousness that allowed the church to do this. And that level of responsibility, I feel like, is so important. It's part of the healing and part of the love that it's we all supported this because we all weren't ready in our own ways, and we all as a culture, as humanity, and now we're finally at a very different moment. Well, and I I think it's important when you bring this up, too, that like many things in life, whatever they are, that, um, you know, you learn one aspect of it, and then at another point you learn another aspect of it. It, That's right. It's kind of like, you know, we learn the masculine side and the masculine energy aspects, and now we're learning more of the feminine energy. And some people can say, oh, the feminine energy has been around forever, and, you know, ruled before the masculine, whatever. But, (laughs) you know, it kind of comes around to this aspect of now we're, we're looking at another aspect, and yet again we're seeing another feminine energy bringing in the, the compassion consciousness uh, in this this realm, and she's so much more. She's she's a much more broad scoped, relatable teacher or figure or master, or whatever you want to say, um, in our times than I would say most other ascended masters have been. Uh, so so I really find some of that very very interesting when we look at what was possible and as you say we just we weren't at a consciousness that was ready to accept this we were still turning over a lot of things we were still giving the the patriarchal okay this is the society and the times and and so on and so forth that way so yeah it's interesting to see us making this shift into to open to this because i see even a lot of people within the churches going i always felt like there was something more <laughs> that's there. right that's right, because it's within all of us. The feminine is within all of us, and we we all had on some level that sense, that awareness. And that's why it was never successful to cut her out of the story, you know, to try to um, negate her or, you know, diminish her stature, you know, through claiming that she was a prostitute, a sinner, all of these things. It never really worked to eradicate her. She just wouldn't go away <laughs> and because well, she's part of us, and she was part of them, a huge part. 
And so, so let's look at that. I mean, I've got two questions, so I'm going to let you. I'm going to toss them both out there, and then you can play with them wherever you want to go with them. Um, okay. Who really is Mary Magdalene? I mean, who? What is the real energy of Mary Magdalene, and what was the the real relationship of Mary Magdalene and Yeshua? I mean, is there this sexuality piece? Is it not there? Is it? Oh, such juicy questions. I love them. (laughs) (laughs) And so much room to go with. (laughs) Really? Well, I will be telling you what I believe relative to who is Mary Magdalene. Um, It's not, she hasn't said this herself in exactly this form, but it's from all the different interchanges, which is huge at this point. I've had many, many, many. And what I feel is that Mary Magdalene is a soul group and that Yeshua is a soul group and that their incarnations on earth were out of that soul group. It was a a form of manifestation into 3D that the the soul group altogether chose. And there were also many people out of that soul soul group who chose to to come in as other players, you might say, is other, you know, people in in the drama of what happened, the unfolding. They had parts. And um, that's how I relate to it. But I definitely think that they were incarnated beings at that time and that, um, and that they came to demonstrate to all of us what it was to be completely human and divine at the same time, which is the truth of all of us if we open to it, if we remember who we really are, which is an enormous process we're talking about for most of us, and a process that most likely will be one of many, many lifetimes. But nonetheless, they came to demonstrate that. And I also think they came to give a a very specific blessing in physical form to help the earth and the beings of the earth. One of the messages that Mary gave me at one point that's in my blog um, was a message about what what Jesus was doing through the crucifixion and that part of it was a, a, a very powerful process for blessing the earth for sending his life force down through the cross into the earth. And the symbol of the cross is the symbol of the blessing of God force into the earth. And that's just one example of how they were doing blessing work. And yes, I believe they were completely human, that they, you know, they ate food, they had sex, they <laughs> did all the human functions. And that their sexuality, and this is one of the things that Mary talked about, she introduced in the first book and then gave very detailed instruction about in the second book, Sublime Union, that they were engaging sexuality as part of their blessing work for the earth, that, and, and that that is a potential for any of us to be doing that, to use sexuality as a vehicle of spiritual growth and spiritual blessing. And 
that's what she refers to as sacred sexuality and what she urges everyone to engage if they're choosing to be sexual, to do it as a spiritual practice as well as a practice that brings forth new life, children, and a practice of love and intimacy with a partner. But it's also a profound practice of connection with God and transformation of ourselves into uh, the next phase that we're ready for in our unfolding as divine human beings. And and so now you just opened up a, a wonderful big door for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> Great. <laughs> which I think is where you know sometimes all these uh, these different concepts because you know when I when I put the blog post out there this week. And, um, you know, for those that missed the beginning part of the show or for, you know, in case the the recording did not go through all the way to hear part of that at the beginning of the show, you can certainly uh, catch that from my website or uh, things as well. But there were people that were saying, no way in the world, no way did Yeshua and Mary Magdalene have sex. He was pure. He was God. That wouldn't happen. And then, (laughs) you know, you've got all these different aspects. So, you know, how, what makes it a spiritual practice versus something else? Um, you know, versus lust, versus, uh, um, you know, say an intimate connection. And and I know I have my own ideas there, but I'd like to hear what you have to say on this. You know, how is sexuality used to bless the earth? How is it? used as a sexual practice to connect? Um, I think one of the easiest ways of describing it, if people are familiar with the Indian system of kundalini, which is the same as the sexual energy, and through sacred sexual energy, through sacred sexual practice, you're making use of that very potent energy for um, raising it in the body, for purifying the chakras, and for directing it towards transformation, which can be transformation of yourself into your greater God-beingness. It can be transformation of the world. And I believe they were doing both. It was part of what empowered Yeshua in particular to do the work that he needed to do in terms of the crucifixion and his blessing work and their blessing work together for humanity. And um, so in particular, this is the way that sacred sexuality is can be used as a spiritual practice. And relative to what you said earlier about um, absolutely not, you know, Yeshua was pure, there's no way he would be engaging sexuality. <laughs> um, there's a lot that could be said about that, but one of the things that Mary is really describing in profound ways in all the messages that she's giving in Mary Magdalene Beckins is that the the nature, what is the nature of God and what is the nature of reality? And she's saying that there, there is a, the ultimate God is the God that is completely what. In Buddhism, they call beyond the beyond. It's like the formless, unknowable, pure land, you know, Buddha, whatever the words are you use for it. In in the Indian tradition, they call it um, the pure self. Um, 
there's there's lots of different pointers to it and terms for it, and words don't really, you know, they they're kind of like pointers. But what she was describing words was, don't totally cover it. Right. But what she was describing was there was a huge process that we as humans have been engaged in for for eons of descending down from this pure God state into what we know now as our third dimension and our our third dimensional life. And this was a, a step-by-step process. And the very first step down of this process was kind of like the first cell division. You might think of it that way. And it was the division into mother, father, God. And that there are these two... She calls it the two faces of God or the two aspects, the two qualities of God. And that that one of the terms that many people are familiar with, you could think of it as the yin and the yang. And that everything that manifested out of that original, very first step of manifestation came in that form. It was like that was the template for manifestation, was this mother-father, male-female, masculine-feminine, mold. And so relative to the way we understand God, there are these two different, very different aspects of God as Father God and Mother God. And Father God is this pure, transcendent state. And it's what I call, what I describe um, a way that many people I think can relate to it is it's what many people are striving to achieve when they meditate. This space that's the beyond, you know, the ordinary. It's it's the timeless, the spaceless, where you go into this transcendent realm, this transcendent, what you might call a transcendent experience, but that's kind of an anomaly because it transcends experience. <laughs> but that's that is the masculine face of God. This pure, infinite, untouched God. The feminine face of God is very, very different. The feminine face of God is God in form, in manifestation. It's the energy. It's like if you take E equals MC squared, it's um, the energy manifesting as form as physicality, as subtle form, you know, everything from the most dense, physical, solid form up to the very, very light forms of angels or light beings or, you know, the the this, the most, oh, what you might call ascended forms, but it's still a form, it's still a kind of manifestation that all of this is the feminine. And so the feminine face of God says that everything is God. Just like the Native Americans or many shamanic traditions related to God is the sacredness of everything, the sacredness of earth, of water, of air, of fire, of plants, of animals, of all beings and all functions. And specifically in human form, Mary says that the feminine face of God takes, there's three arenas that's the foundation of the feminine in human form, and that is our bodies, our energy, including our sexuality, and our emotions. 
And all of these are the foundation of our divine beingness in the feminine way. And interestingly, these are the three arenas that most people have the most difficulty with in their lives, is their relationship to their body, sexuality, and emotions. And it makes sense because that's the feminine arenas, and that's what's been suppressed. It's not just Mary Magdalene and her story that got suppressed. It's the whole feminine that got suppressed. And most fundamentally, within each of us, our feminine essence in terms of our bodies, sexuality, and emotions. So that's what she is calling upon and guiding us into very specifically and very directly of how we can know these as divine parts of ourselves, or another way of saying it, as functions that connect us with our divinity. And I think that's very that's very interesting um, because only through sacred union would the masculine start to feel a lot of times. Um, yes, masculine energy. And, and this is one of the big differences about this time and what Mary is really constantly talking about is that it's not just about the feminine coming into precedence now and the masculine receding. It's about the feminine becoming full and strong and incarnated and fully developed so that she can meet the masculine as his equal, as his partner, as his lover, and that the feminine and masculine will come into balance and harmony and union. And that's a whole progression that she says is necessary for us to go through the gateway into the next dimension, our next age of spiritual growth and development. And I think that's a great insight to the union we're trying to um, create at this point uh, as culture and society evolving um, spiritual beings is to to embrace that harmony, that balance um, in there. And and it's like yes. we can't evolve until we come to union with these two aspects of ourselves. Uh, by right. And we means. can't and we can't come into that union until we embrace the feminine because there's no union. There's no feminine to be in union. <laughs> So she says this is essential. And so many people are feeling this right now. There's many spiritual teachers who are talking about this is the time of the feminine. The feminine is stepping forth. The feminine is leading. But they don't really give the hands-on, what does that mean and how do I do it? What do I need to change? And that's what was so amazing about the instruction that Mary started giving right with the first book and has continued ever since is it's so hands-on she's so practical and and i laugh because i say it's just like a woman to be so practical and she's (laughs) completely practical about this isn't just a good idea like oh let's all go love the feminine this is these are the steps you need to do it's one two three four five six seven there you go Well, and, and I think what's interesting these days and times, too, that's challenging, at least I see it around culture and society as I'm traveling the country, is there's a lot of women 
that are out of sync with their feminine energy. It's not just men that are out of sync. Oh. It's women that are oh out of sync. Oh, my gosh. And they're out of sync with, with their women. sexuality. Oh, yeah. Or the beauty I or the emotions. Ah, sorry, I keep cutting you off. <laughs> but uh, this is huge, what you're saying, because I work with women all the time, and women who are very dedicated spiritual practitioners and who I consider quite mature and quite, you know, far along in their path. And when I start to bring them these principles that Mary has brought forth, they struggle because there has been such a, you could call it a blackout of the feminine that most of us really don't know this part of ourselves. And especially the one that she said is the most important is our relationship to our painful emotions. She said if there's one thing that would make the biggest difference for the most people would be if people understood how important their relationship to their painful emotions is as a very direct pathway for connecting with God. And that's more than anything what she's teaching in the first book, Mary Magdalene Beckins. And um, that's what I work with the very most with people is there are situations where they have some kind of pain coming up or other. And it can be very small, very ordinary situations. It doesn't matter. And showing them how what most all of us have adapted to is the program of getting out of pain as fast as we can. And some of us who are on the spiritual path use our spiritual tools to do that. We say, oh, I just won't get involved with that, or I, I don't need to, to act that out. I'll just love it, or I know this is for my good, and I'll just whatever. All of those are not what Mary is talking about. She is talking about a very different process, which I find again and again people just don't know. And it's quite unfamiliar in the beginning. And that's why I teach classes to help people to learn this. And as people are learning it, it's just amazing what people are opening to. And it completely is opening the heart, which is the seat of the divine feminine. And it's so obvious when people start to get it, we can all feel it because one person's heart opens and it's like contagious. Everyone feels what just happened. There was a shift that is so tangible. And that's what she's teaching is through this process. So can you give us an example of that or or a tip on how somebody would start to crack those emotions open because I know there's yes. people like you say that maybe they were emotional when they're younger now they're getting older maybe they've gone through menopause you know they're they're not on that emotional state that they used to be or they're very spiritual and they're they've been busy 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 on the spiritual path and and you know they're kind of waking up going where's my feminine <laughs> <laughs> right, and so much about the spiritual path is there's a lot of ideas in spirituality that to be spiritual means that you've gone beyond emotion. And so if you're having an emotion, that means, you know, you must not be being spiritual, especially if it's, you know, you're afraid or you're angry. Oh, those are very unspiritual emotions in many people's minds. So there's a lot that people have done that I think is about suppressing their emotions, even in service to being spiritual. So I would totally agree with you that suddenly people are going, you know, 
how do I do this? What's the feminine? So here's an example. It's a very simple, ordinary example, but I think that's good because I think it's one that many people can relate to. Um, And in this example, it's an example where you might be driving, maybe you're in a hurry to get somewhere, and someone cuts you off on the road. And so you're response to this might be um you know to to call the other person a terrible driver or whatever <laughs> your language is for the other person and to get you know to go into thinking that you know they shouldn't have done that you know i can't believe this just happened that kind of thing or um if you're perhaps trying to bring your spirituality into this situation. You might try to stay very centered and not let this disturb you. Just stay balanced and stay on your path. Or you might try to bless the other person, realizing that, oh, they, you know, I, whatever happens, I just should bless it and forgive or whatever your spiritual practice might be. And Mary says all of those things are different than what she's talking about. And all of those things are examples of the kinds of things we do as an alternative to what she's talking about. Instead, what she's talking about, and what she says is what all of those things have in common is that they're kind of on the outside, trying to deal with it on the outside, make the other person wrong, um, or, you know, maybe get the sense of ourselves about, you know, it wasn't our fault, we didn't do it. But still, that's kind of like looking at the outer circumstance or else doing some spiritual practice that's still kind of dealing with it on the outside. Instead, what she says is go inside. Don't direct the energy outwards. Turn it inwards towards yourself and specifically turn it into feeling to feeling what's going on with you, which for most of us, we have developed patterns of this avoiding our feelings and through all these ways of projecting it out to the outside so that sometimes the projection happens so fast, or we go into fix-it mode, that's another one, um, it happens so fast that we don't even realize we're having a feeling. And that's part of this, other programming that we've learned and received and developed of trying to avoid pain, where we we avoid it so well that we don't even know we're in pain. So the first step is just to notice that something you're you're having a feeling that something happened and it it stimulated a feeling in you. And then the second step is to identify what that feeling is. And more than just identifying it in your mind, identifying it in your body and your feeling so that you allow yourself to really have the experience of it all the way to fully opening to it. So in this case, the feeling might be anger, that you're angry that this car just came along and cut you off. There may be another feeling, too, which perhaps in this situation, and of course it's different for every person exactly what would ha- what would get stimulated in each of us, but I'm just using this as an example. So let's say there's another feeling, and the feeling was fear. There might have been fear there when suddenly you got cut off. 
also two feelings, some kind of anger or irritation and also fear, stress. And she says to the third step is to open yourself to this. And this is a very feminine step, a very feminine part of the process is rather than trying to do anything about it, to really open and allow yourself to have that experience of anger or have that experience of fear. It's not the same as um, acting out your anger or acting out your fear. You're not choosing to act at all. You're, this is all work on the inside right now where you're experiencing it, opening to the feeling. And then from that point, she says, then you can use your inner masculine to bring your awareness to what is at the root or source of the feeling. And she says, most of us, when we do allow ourselves to have a feeling and to experience it, we think the feeling was caused by the outer event. So we think that if we're feeling anger or fear, it's caused by what that other driver did. But she's suggesting, no, that it's actually caused by something inside of us that we have gotten disconnected from. And she says this part of us that we've gotten disconnected from us from is some aspect of our inner divinity, what she calls our inner divine qualities. And these qualities are kind of like our spiritual DNA, It's the building blocks that make up our divine essence at the core of who we are. And they're always beautiful qualities. And whenever we have a painful feeling coming up, it's a communication to us that we've gotten cut off from one of our inner divine qualities. It's kind of like a circuit breaker going off, showing us that one of the circuits has gotten disconnected. And that's the real function of pain, is to be like a a red flashing light, a warning signal needs attention. Something needs reconnecting on the inside. And so she says that's the real cause of the pain, is our inner disconnection. And the inner disconnection came out because... Somehow, we were shocked by the outer circumstance. So what happened is there was this outer circumstance. It shocked us into getting disconnected from this inner part of ourselves. And out of that disconnection, the painful feelings arose to communicate to us that we're disconnected and we need to address it. And so the feelings are telling us that we need to take action and they're also guiding us to what the action is because the feeling actually leads us to which of the qualities actually got disconnected, like leading us to which of the switches on the circuit box needs reconnecting. And in this case, this example that I'm using of a driving circumstance, generally each feeling will lead to an inner divine quality. So the inner divine quality, the feeling of anger might have been connected to an inner divine quality of something like cooperation or consideration, that you lost your inner connection to consideration through what this driver did. And the feeling of fear is very likely related to the inner divine quality of 
safety, that you lost your connection to safety, that lives within you. These inner divine qualities are like wellsprings of the divine, that we, we know what safety is. We know what consideration is because ultimately they're aspects of God. Our ultimate safety is in God. It's not in this world. It's in God. And our ultimate consideration, being considered, being sensitive, comes from our relationship to God. And these, and these qualities live in us. We know them inside of us. So we can use these feelings to redirect us to these qualities. And what's amazing is that through that, just that awareness process of finding the qualities, we're inherently reconnecting to our inner sense, our inner knowingness of safety, our inner connection to cooperation. Then from that place, a shift happens because suddenly we're back in our wholeness. We're back connected to God. And from that place, then we can see, is there any action that I choose to take in relationship to this situation? With the driving incident, probably the only action that needed to take place was your inner reconnection. The car is down the road. You're probably down the road. There's nothing that really needs to happen. But in, some, in many situations, there will be actual actions that you choose to take. But now you'll be taking them from the place of your wholeness in God as opposed to taking them from the place of being cut off from God and being deficient somehow. Now you're abundant, you're full, and you're back in union with your inner masculine and feminine. And this is really interesting. I mean, this is an incredible process to think about. Um, I, I think oftentimes we do, and especially in these days and times, we're taught, no, 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 don't feel it. And the spiritual way is you just, you know, if you're evolved, you don't, you don't have all these wide realm of feelings. But I think as long as we're in a human body, no matter how evolved we are, feelings will come and go we might get very good at letting them flow through, touching base with them quickly, going, oh, I'm disconnected, so on and so forth, and reconnecting very quickly. Um, but I, I think you're right. Even many evolved people, and I can say even myself at times, uh, I have to stop and go, hmm, need to do some emotional connecting here <laughs> and things. Yes. Yes, and, our programming is so strong for that disconnect because we didn't learn a better way. And now she's bringing this. And well, part of the great news is that as we do this more and more, we start to rest more and more in the emotions that we tend to enjoy, the emotions of peace, harmony, um, joy, and um balance, contentment, all of those kinds of things that we tend to associate with, you know, more spiritual, it really does lead us to that place where that becomes more and more our reality. And I think as we move into the next dimension, what Mary calls the fourth dimension, the higher frequencies of the fourth dimension, that's what characterizes them as these beautiful, pleasurable qualities that we enjoy. But it, I think it's absolutely true. Here in the third dimension, we 
everything that we have, I think, has been given to us for a purpose. And anything that we deny or try to exclude is what's going to hold us back. It's what's going to actually hold us here and work against what we most want at the spiritual level, which is to move into greater connection with God. And and it's an interesting thing. I've been going through a lot of aspects of of attachments lately, and this is something that it was just kind of hitting me as you were talking that we can even have an attachment to not feeling as much as we can have an attachment to people, situations, things uh, right. in our life. Right, and right, definitely. And this is all part of this preference that we've been indoctrinated into for the masculine because the masculine is detached. That is an aspect of the masculine, and it's a beautiful aspect as long as it's not in denial of the feminine because the feminine is the attached And the beauty of the masculine-feminine union is that we can be both simultaneously. We can be detached and attached. They're not in conflict. They're actually in a beautiful harmony, which if we try to figure it out with our minds, we probably can't do it. It's probably just tie the mind in a knot. But our higher self knows this, and this is the essence of the masculine-feminine union, is that it's this uniting of these two qualities that in our thinking mind, what might be called the lower mind, seem to be opposites, but they really aren't opposite at all. They're polarized lovers. So, and this is this is bringing in some big concepts because I know there's probably some 10,000 questions going off in people's heads that we can't even begin to get to when we start <laughs> to bring that, that aspect of things in. Um, of things and and attachments then kind of shifts from uh, an addiction to a place we're focusing our energy, um, I would say. Right. We don't have to be afraid of it if we understand the process that will bring us all the way through and back into union with the masculine. So after we embrace our feelings and it brings us to these beautiful inner qualities of our divinity and we become whole again, then we are already in that place of balance and peace from which it's natural to have an inherent kind of detachment. But the process that's taught in there has been completely opening and embracing what you might call attachment. And this is the beauty of Mary Magdalene, is that she is the ultimate lover of the masculine. She is so in love with Yeshua. And she completely understands how to bring her feminine into the path that always brings to that union with the masculine and it's her love relationship with Yeshua is the prototype of that. It's the or the archetype you might say of that. It's in an embodied form of what she's always directing us to. But it's through this full embrace of the feminine and full manifestation of the feminine, which for most of us there's room to grow in that arena. You know, and we've been talking about this, and I kind of wanted to jump back a little bit <laughs> on something we, we touched on, and and then we haven't. 
comes back to the sexual piece of things because I know that that's realm of confusion for people and I know we don't have you know tons and tons to address it but uh, you you talked about Kundalini being used to purify and directing and, and the Kundalini can certainly move with or without actual intercourse going on um, and, and I think that's the question to talk about embracing all of that um, where does big O play into it? <laughs> Could you just say the last sentence again because you were breaking up? Okay. Um, so, so I know I know that Kundalini can be with intercourse involved in it, um, but it kind of brings it around to when we bring in the sexuality piece. Uh, my question. Where does the big O play into it, and and does that piece still have a piece in the sacredness of things, in the spiritual practice of things, or is that uh, something that is more just on the lefty side? Okay, I have to say this is really tickling me because I'm the sound on my end is breaking up and I'm having a hard time hearing you, but I think I heard what you asked. But I noticed that this happens all the time when I do sessions with people and I almost inevitably can track it to there's something really important going on. And right at that moment, the technology breaks down. <laughs> it's sort of like the the feeling, sense of the moment overwhelm the technology. You know, I'm on overwhelm right now. I'm going to shut down. So I'm laughing because... I'm thinking that's happening right now with this question. So I want to double check. Are you asking about orgasm and the place of orgasm in sacred sexuality? (laughs) I've totally lost you. (laughs) I can't hear anything. Hello? Can you hear me at all? Because I'm not hearing anything all of a sudden. Oh, are you back? I'm back, and I'm so sorry. I had something happen with the server uh, there, and so I'm sorry. I didn't catch what you said (laughs) all of that. I said it's so funny to me because technology always breaks down at these critical moments where the really important thing comes to light. (laughs) The really juicy piece, right? (laughs) Exactly. It's so funny. It's like clockwork. So were you asking about orgasm and what's the role of orgasm in sacred sexuality? Because I couldn't hear clearly what you were saying. That is the summary of what I was asking, yes. (laughs) Okay, great. That's what I thought was coming through in every third word that I was hearing. (laughs) Okay. Um, What happens in sacred sexuality is that the orgasm is transformed, and there's a different kind of orgasm that people experience. Um, It's not the same as the conventional orgasm, which is mostly limited to the first two chakras, the root chakra and the sacral or emotional sexual chakra, the second chakra. Usually that's where people experience their sexual energy. And at orgasm, there's a discharge of that energy where it literally is kind of going down and out and being released. In sacred sexuality and in kundalini practices, 
very much the same. It's, a very, it's learning to use this energy in a very different way where you're learning to open to the energy, just like in the emotional arena where Mary is saying open and receive. You're learning to open to the energy rather than contain it and pressurize it where you're building towards an orgasm. It's a very different process where you're opening to it and allowing the energy to take charge rather than physically trying to direct the energy towards this orgasmic experience. And then you learn how to start to direct the energy simultaneously with understanding how to open to the circuits of your energy body so that the energy starts to rise up the spine. The energy starts to feed all the chakras, and then you can start to learn. The very simplest practice is the practice of moving the energy up from the root chakra all the way to the crown chakra and then back down to the root chakra. That is the most basic practice. And then on the basis of that, there are more advanced practices that you learn that are all circuits for opening energy. Well, what happens when you learn these more advanced practices is along with that, you start to have a very different kind of orgasmic experience, which um, I call a whole being orgasm rather than an orgasm that's limited to just the first two chakras and is kind of a release and a discharge this is an orgasm that's filling your whole body your whole energy system and especially your higher chakras and opening you to higher dimensions higher energies higher fields and it's also a very regenerative orgasm where it's not the experience of getting depleted because you're discharging energy you're getting infused with higher energies and so it is a different kind of an experience in my in my experience of sharing this and teaching this with other people it is a exquisite experience that once people have a taste they're sold <laughs> they, they really like that new kind of experience <laughs> It, it so it's not that we're getting rid of the orgasm, but it's it's very much a shift in how, what kind of an orgasm and and what the experience is with it. And you know, and and it's um, it really is. I, I've I've had the pleasure of of experiencing um, Kundalini movement, and it's it's incredible that that sense of being drunk with the divine, as they say, comes mm-hmm. when when you move this energy and get this whole body orgasm going. Um, because the connection, it's just it's just a total connection. Of, right. Of and Mary says that ultimately, what we're all longing for, the reason that orgasm has such a thrill and why we seek for it what we're really seeking is that union with god ultimately and there's something about the conventional orgasm that we sense there's a limit there's a feeling and it's not ultimately giving us that fulfillment that we desire and in this other kind of practice and opening it is it's like the the whole enchilada <laughs> well, right, as much as physical, I've experienced it in third dimension, the the straight physical is kind of like that immediate gratification, that sugar rush, that ca- cup of caffeine or whatever, and you're going to crash from it eventually. Uh, but when you start to move it as a full body energy 
aspect. Uh, I mean, you you can do that, and it goes on for days and weeks. And that's right. And even the sexual occasion itself, it's very common in sacred sexuality to have occasions for two hours and longer, where you're engaging in you know, ecstatic sexual union for that time. And it's powerful. It's very, very wonderful. It, it really is. You know, our, our time together is winding down, Mercedes, so I do want to give you a couple of minutes here to um, just share where people can find your books, how they can connect with you, any workshops or session work or things like that, uh, that that's coming up or available for them to take advantage of. Thank you. Well, the main place is my website, which we mentioned at the beginning is mercedeskirkle.com, M-E-R-C-E-D-E-S-K-I-R-K-E-L.com. And you can get the books through the website, and the website will link you up with Amazon. The books are all available in paperback and also in ebook through Amazon uh, in the U.S. and also Amazon's in Europe. And Mary Magdalene Beckins has been translated into Spanish, which is wonderful, and um, published by a Spanish publisher. So the books are available there. Uh, the website also describes my private sessions that are available, again, in person. And also I work with people long distance all over the world. And then I also teach workshops. I teach online workshops and in-person workshops. I have um, uh, trips coming up in at the end of February, beginning of March. I'm going to Austin, Texas, and I'll be teaching a sacred sexuality workshop there and, and also offering live channeling of Mary Magdalene occasions. And I'm in the process of setting up some to, uh, other places I'll be going to later in the year, Ashland, Oregon, uh, New Mexico, Albuquerque, and Santa Fe. I'm going to be going to Europe, to England and France in September, and very likely to Sedona in November. So all of that is also on the website. You can go to my events page. And also on the website, you can sign up for my newsletter, which is a free weekly newsletter that comes out and uh, you'll get a channeled message from Mary Magdalene every week through the newsletter. So that's another avenue of receiving Mary's gifts and staying in touch with me. Wonderful. Um, so definitely you're going to be traveling around as I'm traveling around right now. And um, so many options, many ways to, to connect with you along the way. And, you know, this is such a pleasure, and and I thought, you know, what a great time of year. I know that Mary has certain dates. Uh, July is, is one of those times, um, and some people associate her a lot around Christmas time. Uh, but I thought it would be so interesting to bring her on at this time during the Valentine's Day time when, yes. you know, we're doing all this love honoring and you know, wow, what a great way to really give to your partner, you know, is to delve into some of this very work and to take that connection and to keep that in mind for those people who are looking for a partner um, to, you know, put the bar up there and look for somebody that you can enter into this kind of relationship with. 
And yes, and prepare yourself for it. Pre- learn these energy pathways within yourself. Learn this practice. Learn the emotional practice. Prepare yourself for sacred union, and that's what you'll call in. And so I am in so much gratitude for you coming on and, and sharing today, and I apologize for the technical difficulties we had at the beginning of the show <laughs> and there. Um but if if anybody wants to find out, basically at the beginning of the show, my readings from uh, the 72 Names of God by Yehuda Berg, uh, they are posted on my page of the Main Street Universe tab, by the way, on my website, Jesse Ann Nichols George. And of the blog posting or the other reading that I did, um, you can find through my website as well on there. So I encourage you to, to go back and check those out as well, and you'll you'll see what led into this topic as well. But such a pleasure, Mercedes, and and I greatly appreciate you sharing your time with us today. I have greatly enjoyed it. Thank you so much, (laughs) Jesse. Great. And, uh, you know, as we look forward here, we have more great guests coming up in the upcoming weeks here. And next week I'm going to have a really interesting, wonderful guest on. Oh, she's so in tune with the seasons and the shifts and the changes and the cycles of the year, which I am very involved in as well. And she brings in a whole different realm of backgrounds. And her name is Lisa Mead. And she's going to be sharing her work with us in soul cleansing and soul retrieval, which is very interesting because Valentine's Day, although, you know, kind of a commercial time frame in some ways, um, a big part of it when we look back into some of the more Celtic traditions and some of the other European traditions, uh, it really was about a time of reclaiming our soul, and it was re- really about soul cleansing as opposed to just spring cleaning going on. So I think you're going to find what she has to share very wonderful and useful as well. Um, you know, you can, again, connect with the work I do. I'm getting ready to put out another video. I know I'm due to put one up, so be patient with me. I'll get it up in the next couple of days uh, with my own tips and things for you, which I do every month. Uh, my books you can find purchase on there. Matter of fact, my book on relationships, you can purchase the ebook version for only 99 cents. So if you just head right on to the um, main page of my homepage of my website there, George, the number one dot com, you'll find the code for that where you can pick it up as well. And that's all about how to find and develop and maintain your perfect relationship and. Uh, to to learn and understand more about what your partner is thinking, feeling, needing, and how to communicate in ways that's going to strengthen your relationship and avoid the drama. And I should mention that also Mercedes books, you can link to them through, I have a tab or a page for uh, guest products and books and things like that. And uh, if you click on that tab and scroll down to the bottom, find links to her work as well or go directly to our website, mercedeskirkle.com. And there's several events getting posted for the 2015 Compassion Tour. Check them out. Like I said, um, first workshops are starting off in Ojai, California, but I've also got things that are being scheduled for Pennsylvania, for Illinois, for Denver, Colorado. Um, So those are all going to start popping up here in the recent um, next few months. There'll be stuff in New York, Connecticut, Connecticut, just all around the eastern seaboard, looking at a venue right now in Michigan. We're seeing what we can do to to work that out right now. 
So I'm going to be all over the place, all over the U.S., and and take a look at that. I might even have some stuff coming into Arizona, um, possibly Texas again. So uh, just watch, and those events are going to be going up regularly. And don't forget, we've got several shows, by the way, here on Main Street Universe throughout the week. We have on Monday, Randy Goldberg doing Vedic Astrology. Tuesdays, Susan Weed, who's sharing her work in herbs and natural plants. Wednesday nights is our flagship show with Daniel and Janice, and that is going to be tagged up with Darren Bouquer, who does Spiritual Insights, and he's a reader from Adam Louveau in New Orleans. Also, Janice, who co-produces and co-hosts on our flagship show, is going to be taking a show once a month and doing her own, so that's coming up. Watch for that. And Kevin Baird is back doing some of his new work uh, with things, and you might want to check that out. That's kind of a different, uh, unique thing that he's got going on. So, all of these different aspects that are happening here. Hey, this is Jesse and thank- Nichols George, and I want to thank you so much for being here. And again, thank you to all of our listeners, not only through Blog Talk Radio, but those that are streaming live on Pen Pair Encounters Network, Stream Finder, Talk Stream Live. Uh, as well as those that are catching our podcast at iTunes, TuneIn.com, and those that catch the YouTube version of the show. So there's lots of options. And again, you can share the show with your friends, and they can use the same link that you use to come into the live show, and they can catch it as an archive there. They may, uh, with the technical glitches, they may have to fast forward up a bit into the show to come into the discussion part, but that's okay. And don't... Um, you know, again, just you can share it with them. And I'm going to leave you today with the song Yearning For, also known as Over and Over by Shemshai. Thank you so much. I look forward to seeing you again next week right here on Activating Compassion Radio. May you enjoy the rest of your weekend and have a truly amazing week. And if I could see what makes me blind I would soar to the edge of my mind and to touch what seems unreal Just to show you the way that I feel And we are in time with time One with season of change inside And we are in tune with the tune Caught in a balance of sun and moon Yes, it's within the most beautiful lover Time is still
Your spirit, your heart, still young. 